Well, like we have been doing these last days, and I don't know if you would like to present any question. If you have any doubt or topic you would like to hear about. So we are speak, asking about the cows, the flowers, and the... Animals, <laughs> and whatever, the grasses, no? Non-human <laughs> beings. <laughs> okay. So, the Santa Rasa is a, a complex subject in Golok Brindavan. Because, well, as you may know, Santa Rasa means one of the five rasas. that are called Shanta, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalja, and Madhurya. So generally, Santa is considered like the lowest of them, in one sense, because it mainly implies some sort of passive adoration. The one in Santa Rasa is basically like contemplating the object of his, her worship, but it's not rendering some practical service, if you will. There's not some dynamic relationship between the lover and the object of love. But mainly mainly some meditation, some absorption, some contemplation with love. It's a type of love. (laughs) A passive one. Shanta comes from the word Shanti, so it means peaceful, hmm? peacefulness, quiet, quietude. Prahlad Maharaj is a famous example of Santa Rasa. So also, I, I will share some brief words before answering your question specifically no? about Santa Rasa. So. What does it mean to be peaceful? Hmm? And why Santa Rasa is connected to Prahlad Maharaj? You are translating in a different language? Or in that one, that's yeah. yeah, translations are always some issue. <laughs> All of you have to learn Spanish, and it's all, all everything solved. <laughs> so, 
So, what uh, what does it mean to be peaceful? And, and why Prahlad Maharaj is connected to this Santa Rasa? Chaitanya Charitamrita describes peacefulness very nicely. Dirty said, Krishna Bhakta Nishkam Ataiva Shanta Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami Shakali Ashanta. So it means the pure devotee is, uh, is Shanta, is peaceful. Krishna Bhakta Nishkam. Why? Because he's free from all desires, except from the desire to serve Krishna. No selfish desire, no separate interest. So, since he is free from selfishness, he is peaceful. But, the second line of the verse says, Bhukti Mukti Siddhi Kami Shakali Ashanta. The ones who desire Bhukti Mukti Siddhi, are all Ashanta. Ashanta is the opposite of Shanta. Ashanta means not not peaceful. <laughs> Why? Because they have still so many desires. They want Bhukti, some others want Mukti, some others want Siddhi, no? material enjoyment, Bhukti, liberation even, Mukti, or some mystical perfection there, Siddhi. <laughs> Different forms of separate and interest. I'm so sorry, Manas, but, still, but the idea was that the idea that, that you translate so with like to her in that direction because your one idea, you know, also with the language. Okay. So the idea here is our selfish desire are not giving peace. Generally, we are not in peace, and sometimes we think, oh, I will have some enjoyment, I will satisfy some personal desire, uh, and I will obtain some relief. And you obtain some illusory relief for a, for a while, <laughs> but immediately it turns out to be the opposite. So you are not peaceful anymore, you are again ashanta. And what, you, what generally we do, we go after some other desire, <laughs> thinking the next time it will work, I will satisfy a bigger desire, so next time I will be more peaceful than the last time. <laughs> and for some while it seems to work, but again, after that, big fire appears. It's like if you have a fire and you put, you put some... Uh, how do you say, combustible, like gas, what you feed the car for, right? And it seems that the fire is all out for a second. But immediately, <laughs> big forest fire. Because of this, samsara is compared to a forest fire. Lots of fire, lots of burning, lots of desires. <laughs> that we are not able to really turn off, but we are just feeding them more and more and more, more, more. <laughs> So selfish desire leads to frustration because we are never, we are never 
satisfied and, and we become asanta, not santa. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Kamayasa Krodaisa Rajaguna Samud Bhava. Mahasana Mahapama Bidyanami Habayana. As much as you feed this enemy called selfishness, that's an enemy whose uh, appetite is never satisfied. Boga Ishvarya Prashaktanam Tayapaharita Chetasam, says Krishna also. Vyavyasayatmika Buddhi. Nasamado uh, said in, in the mind of those who are very attached hmm, to selfish desire, the determination to serve in a focused way doesn't come. Because they have too many ramifications in their mind. Too many directions to satisfy. <laughs> so the desire, the spiritual desire doesn't become too concentrated, condensed, because everything is very diluted in many directions. So, peace is not there. And because of this Prahlad Maharajit example of Santa Rasa, because, when, as, as I said the other day, when Sri Hadeb offered Prahlad, I want to give you a blessing, at the end, when Ilarnia Kashipu was killed, when he was already peaceful, Nisimhadev <laughs> was not peaceful after killing Iranya Kasipu. He was in Ugra state. So he was so asanta, <laughs> so he was so much non-peaceful, <laughs> that all the demigods were there, Brahma, Shiva, all of them were afraid to approach Nisimhadev. And say, oh, we always approach Vishnu, but in this moment, Vishnu is showing a very particular mood. As a half man, half lion, and he's really enraged. So, even Lakshmi was there. And, mm, I never see my husband in this way. <laughs> but the point here is that most of the demigods that were there, generally the, the devas, are called Sakama Bhaktas. Sakama Bhakta means there are devotees, but they have some material desire yet, still. Some separate agenda of their own. And when there is some problem, well, they pray to Vishnu, please, God, help us. The suras are attacking us, help me. <laughs> but when everything is nice in Swargalok, they are enjoying with the Apsaras, Gandharvas, they do not call Vishnu so often. <laughs> so. But in this point, Nisimhadev was so enraged because he had just killed the personification of selfish desire called Iranya Kashipu. You know, Iranya Kashipu. Gold and soft bed is the meaning of the name. It means money and sense enjoyment. The personification of selfishness. So, God had just killed the personification of enjoyment. He really becomes enraged when it comes to kill the selfishness. That's necessary. <laughs> so since the devas were there, and they have some selfishness there, and they knew, oh, Nushinha Devi is enraged because of selfishness. And we have some selfishness. Oh, I don't want to get close to him. <laughs> no. Who knows what can happen to me? They will think so. All the, and all of them say, "Prahlad, you go." 
Because they knew Prahlad doesn't have any selfish desire. So Prahlad went just running to Nishinyadev. And he basically jumped into his lap. <laughs> the same lap that some minutes ago Hiranya Kasipu was thawed apart, opened basically. And he said that Nishinyadev immediately started like to lick Prahlad, like a kitten. He was Ugra Nishinyadev, but when the personification of self, selflessness, lack of desire, appeared, oh, he became so peaceful. Because Prahlad was so peaceful, Nishinyadev became so peaceful. He started to lick Prahlad, like, like a lion does with, with a kitten. So Nishinyadev said, oh, Prahlad, I'm, no, I'm God, so I'm known, I'm famous for giving so much, so many blessings. So ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Imagine. Sometimes in this world we are running after what we want, <laughs> and generally it doesn't work too much. Imagine if God himself comes and says, whatever you like, it's yours, I'm giving. Big opportunity, we may think. <laughs> For Prahlad, it was not a big opportunity at all. <laughs> he felt uncomfortable. And he said, Nishinyadev, why are you asking this to me? Have you, did I have some face of a merchant, merchant face? Huh? That you think that I'm serving you in order to ask some blessings after that? I'm not a merchant. I don't want to do big business with you. I give you this, please give me that. I give you that, please... No, no, I don't want any blessing. Only blessing I already receiving, that is to serve you, to glorify you. That's a blessing. I don't, that's the blessing. It's such a blessing that there is no other blessing to ask for. Panushin had even insisted, I am giver of blessings. I want to give you a blessing. Ask something. <laughs> but Prahlad said, no, no, I don't want anything. No, Santai. He was so at peace, so free from desire. I don't want that, anything. Eventually he asked something, but mainly for his father. <laughs> and he said, do not let selfishness enter into my heart. Just that. That's not a selfish desire at all. So, Santa Rasa means this. Means That's the basis for all the other Rasas. The higher rasa, Dasya, Sakya, Batsalya, Madhurya, we have to understand. If we say, oh, in our Sampradaya, in our Sampradaya, actually, Santa Rasa is not promoted. If you studied, if you studied Chaitanya Charitamrita, you will see that Mahaprabhu says, Charibab. Charibab means four babs, four types of moods. So he says, I, I have come to, to give the four babs of Braj, of Rindavan, he says. And he said, but there are not four, there are five. But in, 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 in the gift of Mahaprabhu, Santaras is not so included there. But mainly Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhuri. I will explain this more further. But the idea of Santaras means... Santaras means you have to be free from all selfishness. So if you want to aspire to some higher rasa like the ones I mentioned, first, <laughs> your heart should be totally free from all separate desire. 
Because Dasya Sakya Vatsali Madura is full of spiritual desire. But there is not a glimpse of selfishness there. Even though it may appear that they are selfish in Vrindavan for a moment. <laughs> or that they are attached. Actually, Vrindavan seems very similar to this world. We spoke something yesterday. Vrindavan is called Aprakrita. means... It seems like prakrita, like mundane, but it's a prakrita, which means it's supra transcendental, even above by by kunta. For example, you look at Nanda and Jashoda, <laughs> and in one sense they are attached to his son, to his house, to his village, to his family, to his whatever they are doing, to their, their job, they seem like Grihamedis, <laughs> like mundane uh, family people. <laughs> but the point is that all those things that they are attached to have Krishna in the center. <laughs> so it seems mundane, but at a closer look, it's totally extraordinary. It seems that the Brajabhasis are enjoying Krishna, but it's the exact opposite. Sometimes Krishna is embracing Sri Radha, and she looks so happy in that embrace. So one may say, oh, she's enjoying Krishna's embrace, that selfish desire. I, I, had, I, I caught her. <laughs> but no. It is explained that she's happy at that moment because she knows Krishna is happy by embracing me. So since I know he's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> no. Their happiness derives from Krishna's happiness, always. If, if at one point Srimati Radhani will feel Krishna is not happy embracing me, she will escape from that embrace because she only wants Krishna's happiness. This is what Mahaprabhu repeats in the 8th verse of Sikh Shastaka. Adarshana. If Krishna is happy with me, I'm happy. If Krishna is happy without me, I'm happy. I'm happy regarding whatever makes Krishna happy. <laughs> That's real love. I mean, love means I live for the happiness of the beloved. But again, it seems mundane externally. But the foundation is this santa, this lack of selfishness. <laughs> so that's very high stage. <clears throat> in this world, in this world, santa is the highest thing that Charles explained. In the spiritual world, santa is like the lowest, still glorious, but the lowest. <laughs> in this world, at least, I don't know. Today, maybe think times change, <laughs> but. In this world, if you have a, a wife, but you have a lover, that's not correct. Nowadays, maybe it may seem, may be seen as more glorious, I don't know. <laughs> but strictly speaking, that's something like to condemn. You have your family, but you have someone else, some lover. So here, that's the lowest. <laughs> but in Golok Vrindavan, that's the highest. <laughs> 
So there everything is upside down. Here the highest is the Santa, to have no? lack of desire, universal compassion, as Prahlad had also. That's the highest degree of what you can find here. But there, that's only the beginning. <laughs> and the highest thing seems to what the lowest here, but seems to be. It's very different. <laughs> because Santa is in the, on the foundation of that lack of selfishness. <clears throat> So going to Vrindavan, and, and, and we sometimes have heard that the animals, plants, mountains, are in Santa Rata. But, at the same time, uh, we understand that this Santa Rata has more to do with the passive adoration, and some distant contemplation, that is more connected to yogic practice. Bhakti Thakur explained this in the Chaitanya Sikshamrita. He says, when someone is practicing Asanga Yoga and reaches the stage of Samadhi and, and mixes that yoga practice with Bhakti, he may attain Santa Rasa. No, because the yogi mood is more like sitting and contemplating. So attaining some form of Santa Rasa even in regarding Paramatma or Vishnu by Kunta, he's not speaking about Vrindavan there. <clears throat> but actually, in Vrindavan, when we hear that these inanimate entities are in Santarasa, <clears throat> actually it refers to how they externally express their love. Okay, Prem? But you have to raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, let's go again. But you raise your hand and I found new words for you. Okay. So when we go to Vrindavan, we hear that no, these unmoving, non-moving entities, like trees, mountains, are in Santarasa. But at the same time, we hear that every, everyone in Vrindavan, everything in Vrindavan, is full of very intense love for Krishna. So actually, in which sense they are in Santa Rasa there? Mainly they are in Santa Rasa in the sense that externally they are not, let's say, moving like a human being or like a particular species. But their inner feeling uh, it's not just some abstract, neutral adoration. Hmm? For example, it is saying in the scriptures that cows in Vrindavan are in Sakya Rasa. Mountains in Vrindavan are in Sakya Rasa. It says that the, the, the dust in Vrindavan, when it being touched by the feet of Krishna, experiences conjugal love. <laughs> So, how can we call that passive adoration? <laughs> so, they are in Santa Rasa in this sense. They are maybe not moving like humans, not, not dyna so dynamic, but every entity, every atom in Vrindavan is vibrating with particular type of love. 
And because of this, Mahaprabhu didn't include this idea of Santa. Like, try, like trying to say yes, like, like trying to say to us, in one sense there is no actual Santa there. Because every entity, every atom is really passionately no? vibrating in love for Krishna. Sometimes, sometimes cows are also saying other parts that they are in Vatsalya Rasa. So there are different statements also. No? It's not only one thing. <laughs> there are different cows. Some may be in Sakya, some may be in Batsalia. But most we I hear it's there in Batsalia. But there's no such passive thing. No? Even it, It's even said that when Krishna, for example, plays his flute in Vrindavan, that sound uh, creates an uh, alteration alteration, alters all the, the, the nature of the different species there. Turns upside down the nature of the different species. For example, non, non-moving entities like trees start like to, to bend down offering pranam to Krishna. <laughs> And moving entities like, I don't know, cows, like became totally stunned, like statue in samadhi, like pouring milk, affectionate milk, <laughs> but just stuck like a tree, thinking of Krishna. <laughs> so the ones who move, stop moving, the ones who do not move, start moving. <laughs> so again, everything in Vrindavan is upside down. <laughs> So we should be, we should prepare ourselves to understand that properly. Yeah. It's full of consciousness. Yeah. No? Yeah. So all, all the things. Of course, of course. Chaitanya Charitamrita says, "Vaikuntera pritiviadi shakal chimai." It means in Vaikuntha. Vaikuntha, I mean the whole spiritual world, mm-hmm. including Vrindavan and everything. Sometimes Vaikuntha referred to that. Vaikuntha Prithivi, the earth, the earth, Prithivi Adi, the earth and everything else, Shakal Chinmai. Everything there is made of transcendental conscious substance. Chit, Chit Shakti. So everything there is predominated by Chit Shakti. There is no actual matter there, inner matter. There is no Maya Shakti. Maya Shakti is the energy connected to real to matter. <laughs> but there is no matter. It, although it seems there is, everything is spiritual. Like the famous pastime when Yashoda uh, is giving her her breath to Krishna for drinking milk before the Damodar Lila, just before. And you know what what's happening? Yashoda was preparing some milk in this in this oven stove no? because because before this Krishna was stealing no? butter from the neighborhoods no? <laughs> so of course this is lila no because God is the owner of everything no? so if the owner of everything steals <laughs> 
how do you call that game? Play. <laughs> if everything belongs to me, but I steal something, <laughs> that's Lila, no? That's not a crime. So Krishna was stealing butter here and there. He had butter at home, but he liked more the one who was stolen. It tasted better. <laughs> of course, this has a whole connection to how Krishna steals the heart of his devotees. Because the heart of, of Krishna's devotees are like butter, are totally melting because of love. So butter is given as an example of something melted. So Yashoda was thinking, oh, we are here the king of cowherds, I'm the queen, Nanda Maharaj is the king of the whole, the whole community in Braj. We have, so, we have plenty of cows, plenty of milk, plenty of butter, plenty of yogurt, plenty of cream, plenty of ghee, <laughs> more than anywhere else. And still, our Kaneya is going somewhere else and stealing all these products. So I don't want that my child grows as a naughty boy and maybe in the adolescence become a criminal. <laughs> so she was thinking, no? she, was, she was thinking what to do. No? So it is said that she chose special types of cows and they were feeding these cows with a very special selected type of grass so they may produce a very special type of milk. <laughs> and Yashoda herself, not any other assistant, she herself will pick that milk and will turn the milk and will create all different products so Krishna may have that special product and he may not desire to steal anymore. <laughs> so one day she was preparing some sweet milk milk sweets for Krishna. So the milk was in the oven. Meanwhile, Krishna appeared in the morning. Meanwhile, the soda was churning butter and she was singing, composing in the very moment different songs of glorification to Krishna, improvising different kirtans. The Bhagavatam describes all this very beautifully. She has, their, she has her bangles and she was moving, it sounded like cartels, and she was like walking like this, and it was like rhythm, drum. So she was a, a whole woman kirtan, <laughs> one woman whole orchestra, <laughs> and singing spontaneously different songs that were coming to her. So with all this kirtan, Krishna was awake in the morning, and he appeared. So he took, he put, he was very, very small, very little. So he took the rod that Yasoda was using for turning. And Krishna took it, like saying, no more rodding, no more turning. Breast milk I want. <laughs> so Yasoda was very charmed. Oh, so clever is my... <laughs> my dear. So she... But she had this other milk in the stove, no? like cooking. So she, he, she sat with Krishna on her lap, and she started to give her breast milk. So Krishna was totally uh, absorbed no? in samadhi. Like just looking at Jasoda's face and love. And Jasoda the same. No? Two parts totally immersed in each other. 
exchanging divine love. Actually, the the giving of breast of of yeah of breast milk is giving of affection. Breast milk means affection, and because of that, Krishna in his form of Mahavishnu lives in an ocean of milk, <laughs> an ocean of affection. So the two of them were so absorbed that the milk in the oven, everything is conscious there. <laughs> so the milk started to think. <laughs> so you may say, stop, stop, stop. The milk started to think. What's this? It sounds pretty psychedelic. <laughs> it's beyond psychedelia. <laughs> so milk started to consider the following in a very intelligent way. Milk thought, oh, Yashoda has unlimited capacity to give affection to Krishna. There is no end to how much milk she can give. She can be for eternity. Because it's her affection, actually. The scriptures always we find when Yashoda sees Krishna at any given moment in the day, when he returns with the cowherds at the afternoon, she only sees Krishna, or she thinks about Krishna, and milk starts pouring from her breast. Maternal affection there. <laughs> no limit to that. So the, mil- the, the milk thought, oh, that Soda has so much capacity to give affection, and Krishna has so much capacity to receive affection, that there will be no end to this exchange. It will be there for eternity. And I am here boiling in the stove and I won't have the chance to render some service to Krishna. Because the milk was there to be prepared eventually in different sweets. So the milk was thinking, oh, I won't have the chance to render service to Krishna. (laughs) So I have to do something in order to stop this trance, this this exchange between Krishna and Udhashoda. So what to do, what to do, what to do? <laughs> no, milk started to, to... How do you say in English? Overflow? Yeah, to overflow. So the milk touched the fire. He made the noise. Just so that saw the milk. And she immediately left Krishna. Not because she doesn't love Krishna anymore. Because she was thinking, that milk is for the service of Krishna. I have to take care of everything that is for the service of Krishna. Tadiya Seva, this is called in Sanskrit. We take, we take more care of the paraphernalia to serve Krishna than for Krishna itself, in one sense. <laughs> the idea is, we are, for us it's more important Krishna Seva than Krishna. So you know, after this, Krishna was not happy with that. He took some yogurt, gave to the monkeys, and well, the whole Damodar Lila starts there. <laughs> but the idea is this, no, the milk was thinking what to do, what to do. Some other acharyas said the milk wanted to commit suicide. <laughs> Suicidal milk. Because thought, no, my, my life is, has no meaning if I cannot serve Krishna. I will just jump to the fire. <laughs> And eventually there was some happy end and the, the milk sweets were there and Krishna was happy and everyone was happy including the milk. 
Hmm? But yes, everything is conscious there. Even the milk, even the air, even whatever. So, because of this, Silasya Maharaj said, everything in that land is your guru. Everything in that land is to be worshipped by you. Everything in that land is made of, of a substance that is higher than what you are made of. <laughs> he gives this example. Even one speck, one speck of dust in Vrindavan is constitutionally higher to yourself as a soul. <laughs> so are you prepared for that? <laughs> you have to have so much humility. You have to be walking, say, with your head on the ground, upside down, because everything that is on your way is worshipable. So you have to be walking like this, offering pranam to everything in the way. <laughs> everything there is to be served by us. So we should go, we will only enter that land with this psychology. Nobody there is to serve me. Everything there is to be served by me. When we really feel this, when we really have faith in this, well, we will be there. <laughs> so gradually we are starting to get more and more convinced of this idea. And in this way we are walking towards Vrindavan. <laughs> That means to, to enter Vrindavan gradually. Yeah? Clear? Yeah. Okay. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No. How, how are the translations doing? Okay. Too fast for you? Yeah? You have face like headache. <laughs> A little bit. I will try to be slow. I want to <laughs> okay. Any other question? No, 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 no Goloka Vrindavan. It's in Gokul Vrindavan. Gokul Vrindavan means Golok Vrindavan means Vrindavan in the in the spiritual world, and Gokul Vrindavan is Vrindavan on earth. So, uh huh, uh huh. So, what's the question? Uh, that they do also some service because they come also from some other um, level with some there is only levels there's uh -huh. there's so uh, uh -huh. make some uh, service to Krishna uh -huh. mm. okay. Well uh, there are many asuras who appear uh, long list <laughs> and all of them represent something. Bhakti Notaku has explained this. Every asura represents a particular anartha. Hmm? To be taken out of, from the heart. I, I won't mention all of them now, this is too much. <laughs> but for example, one. Hmm? Putana, the first one. Very first asura that Krishna killed. She was the sister of Kamsa. 
And according to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Putana personified the false guru. Why? Because Putana appeared in Vrindavan like a very young, beautiful lady. Everyone in Vrindavan was thinking, Oh, Lakshmi has come to visit and bless us. <laughs> but you know, actually, she was a very ugly demon that very big, like kilometers long. <laughs> but she had mystic powers, yoga siddhis. So she transformed herself. <laughs> Interestingly, in Vrindavan, you see, there's no one interested in mystic powers. Only the demons show mystic powers. <laughs> if you pay close, everyone that has yoga city in Vrindavan are asura. <laughs> Brajavasis are not not interested in that. All these powers and likes and strange stuff, <laughs> transforming, flying. <laughs> For them, is what's that? Very weird. <laughs> like when 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 Krishna lifted Govardhan. And after that, all the demigods came and they made Abhishek to Krishna and they crowned him a whole ceremony. Huh? And Brahma appeared with four heads. Huh? Indra appeared with eyes in all his body. And like this, every deva appeared. And when all the ceremony finished and the demigods returned to their abodes, <clears throat> but Krishna's friends <laughs> say, Krishna, who was that guy with four heads? <laughs> totally weird. <laughs> Flying in a swan. That's psychedelic. <laughs> who was the other one with eyes in all over his body? Crazy people. They're putting you one crown, crown, calling you God. Very weird people with many arms and flying in the sky. They were like laughing about them with Krishna. <laughs> and Krishna was laughing about them with, with her with his friends, no? <laughs> so again in Vrindavan they are not interested in all this mystic stuff. Only the in this case the Asura showed this. So Putana presented herself in one way. No? He came like I want to nurture Krishna, I want to give my breast milk, but you know, actually she wanted to kill him. There was some poison in her breast. So, false guru means the same. He presents like, I want to give you this, <laughs> but actually the intention is very different. So in this way, Bhaktivinoda Thakur made this parallel with every demon showing they represent Samanartha. They, he made some symbolic, extracted some symbolic meaning from them. <clears throat> but also, of course, they they render some service in Vrindavan. For example, Putana. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a very extreme example. I, imagine if that happens here in this world. A lady appears, very beautiful, very beautiful, try, offering herself to give her breast milk to a baby of some few days. <laughs> this question was some few days at that time. 
but actually she had some poison and wanted to kill the child. <laughs> that will appear in all the news in Berlin, Germany, around the world. That's too, too extreme. Too extreme. You present it one way, but your intention is so <laughs> evil. But the most astonishing thing here is that Krishna uh, started to suck actually her life air. And we know he killed her, but he gave her a very special type of liberation. <laughs> Not only ordinary liberation, but she sent her to Golok Vrindavan as a nurse, nurse you say in English? Sir, assisting some devotees in Batsalia Rasa. Krishna only, Samacharya said, Krishna only looked at, at Putin and said, Oh, she came dressed as a Vaishnavi, Tilak, Kanti, and she offered her breast. Oh, how nice from her. <laughs> so I will send her so she may continue in that mode of maternal love. He, he didn't see the other, the other part, <laughs> the bad one. So, Putana is an example of what we call Kripa Siddhi. Kripa Siddhi means to achieve the perfection of life through, through an extreme form of mercy. Extreme means there is no sadhana, there is no practice, you are even a demon. <laughs> when Krishna says, Golok Vrindavan, like winning the lottery. No. Of course, our acharyas say to us, do not try to obtain that, that, li- that perfection, because it's up to Krishna to give that. He will give whenever he wants to whoever he wants. But we have to obtain sadhana siddhi, which means perfection through practice. And of course, in our practice we pray for mercy. <laughs> But this Kripa Siddhi is an extreme form of mercy where there is no practice, nothing. No? So if we say, okay, I will pray for Kripa I will just hope that Krishna give me Kripa Siddhi and I will stop my sadhana. So, I will follow Putana. <laughs> no, no practice, I will be a demon. And, <laughs> and maybe I win the lottery. But it makes no sense. It's like if you live here and you say I won't look for a job because maybe I may win the lottery and I will become a millionaire but most probably you will never win the lottery <laughs> so better you look for a job <laughs> sadhana practice no? so in this case Putana rendered some service because he was an example of how extreme Krishna's mercy can be She was used as an instrument to glorify Krishna's extreme mercy. There is a famous verse in the Bhagavatam who, which speaks about this. Uddhava mentions. I remember I learned this in Vrindavan 12 years ago because Guru Maharaj brought some Rajabhasi Pandit one day. <laughs> and he said, okay, today we will learn one verse. 
Maybe you were there, I don't know. Vrindavan, 2007. We met there. So he asked all of us in this, uh, he said, okay, we will learn this verse by heart. With this particular melody. (laughs) He started to make us repeat every line, like for 15 minutes, each line. (laughs) So, after one hour, of course, the verse was properly learned. (laughs) So, and 12 years after, it's still there. (laughs) Verses. Aho bakiyam shanakala kutan jikyan sayapayat apyasatvi libengatinga triuchitam tatonyam kambam dayalu sharanam brajima. So this verse, Bhagavatam says, oh, How can I find someone more merciful than Krishna? Udava is speaking. How, can I sur- how could I surrender to someone more merciful than Krishna? Aho, the birds are saying aho. Aho is like, oh, alas, they say in English. I say alas, like, oh my God. Because he, he gave Putana the position of a mother in Golok, even though he appro- she approached him with poison in her breast. That's some, such an extreme form of mercy. So in this way, yes, we may, see that, we may say that these demons are playing a particular role, service. And also they are showing us all these obstacles that we have to overcome if we really want to go to the intimate service found in Vrindavan. But as I say, this pastime of killing demons are happening only here, not in the eternal Golok Vrindavan. Because there, there's no necessary... Krishna in Golok Vrindavan is not going out of Vrindavan like he does on earth. He's not killing demons. And all this parallel we find also in the Gaur Lila with Mahaprabhu. Which is the parallel of Krishna killing demons, Mahaprabhu taking sannyas and killing the demonic mentality with his preaching. He's not killing demons properly with Sudarshan. Almost he kills Jagai Madai. <laughs> At one point he invoked Sudarshan. <laughs> but Nityananda appeared and said, No, no, please <laughs> remember in this incarnation, <laughs> you are killing the demonic mentality through holy name, Harinam. So Sudarshan was like, <laughs> So, uh, but in the eternal Vrindavan, Krishna is not killing demons. And in the eternal Navadvip, Mahaprabhu is not a sannyas. Because of that, we worship him not as a sannyasi, shaved with danda, no? Like Nimai in Navadvip. Because in the spiritual world, we don't need to kill any demons. There's no anarthas there. <laughs> so all these lilas are called Naimitika lila, which means like circumstantial lilas, killing demons, all this stuff. And we have the Nitya Lila, which always be, are performed in, the, in eternity. And of course, some demons are also eternal associates of Krishna appearing there, like Jagai Madai, 
they appear in the Krishna Leela. Danta Bakra and Sisupal. So there are different demons, different cases, different examples. Some are killed, some are forgiven, like Kaliya. And, but every one of them, they are rendering some service, of course. Service to us, in one sense, to teach us so many things. Service to the Brajavasis. Because every time all these demons appear, the love of the Brajavasis increases. <laughs> no? <laughs> For example, when Krishna is, done, is, 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 is inside Kaliya, try to imagine that. No? Your child has some few years, and suddenly one big serpent captures him. <laughs> and all the Brajavasis are on the banks of the Jamuna looking at the situation. And, and their respective love for Krishna as a friend, as a father, as a mother, as a copy. <laughs> By seeing that situation, but makes their love like overflow. So again, this, the demons are creating some tension that promotes further love in them. Different services they are rendering. <laughs> okay. Something else? Who, who was the, the one for you to you raise your hand before? During the, my answer. Yeah. Uh, non the prominence of the ones, the Krishna, I mean, todos, todos Yes, yes, of course. So she's asking if the demons, since everything comes from Krishna, the demons also come from Krishna, so if their relationship with Krishna is also some type of rasa, or they are expressing, feeling something for Krishna, basically that. That's the question. So, <clears throat> well, we could say yes, everything comes from Krishna. <laughs> Even we could say everything is Krishna. Our philosophy is called Achintya Veda Abed. Bed Abed. Bed means difference, Abed means non difference. So, there's two sides of, to the, of the coin. So from the Abed point of view, the non-difference point of view, everything is Krishna. It sounds impersonal, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> everything is Krishna, in the sense that everything is. There's nothing that exists separate from Krishna. Nothing is separate from Krishna. So when the the fact that we feel ourselves separate from Krishna. That's what's called illusion. Illusion means something impossible. That cannot be, that is not real, but that you think it is real. <laughs> but no matter how hard you try, you won't be able to have a separate existence from your source. 
So, in that sense, everything is Krishna, because everything is part of one of the energies of Krishna, and all those energies are inseparable to Him. Jiva Shakti, Maya Shakti, Swarup Shakti, but all these Shaktis, all these energies are connected to Shakti Man, the energetic source. But we have also the Ved perspective, Ved Aved. So Ved means difference. <laughs> if we only get Aved, we, we are Maya bodies. <laughs> so Ved means there is differentiation, there is individuality. And the idea of individuality is that we may voluntarily offer ourselves in love to our source. That's why individuality is given to us. Because if not, we are just automatons like robots. It makes no sense. So the purpose of being an individual is not trying to exist separate from our source, <laughs> but to realize our loving connection with our source and offer ourselves in a loving way. So, an asura or a demon, beyond these demons in Vrindavan, an asura, because asura, what, what does it mean asura? We say demon, yeah. We may have some like movie-like idea of what's a demon. <laughs> So let's go to the meaning of the word itself. Asura. Ra comes from Ramante, which means enjoy. Ra comes from Ramante, which means enjoy. And Asu means like now, immediately. <laughs> so Asura means I want to enjoy now. Like Swami Maharaj was joking in Bulgaria, he quoted one famous song <laughs> that says, I want it all and I want it now. I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, I think it says three times, and I want it now. <laughs> so that's what Asura means basically. <laughs> I want to enjoy separately and I have no patience now. Okay, Asura. <clears throat> so, we could say Asuras have some relationship with God. Well, everything has a relationship with God, again. Everything is connected with God. But not everyone acknowledges that connection. So basically, an Asura is someone who is not acknowledging their connection with God. They may say God is not existing, or they may say like Iranya Kashipu, God is my enemy, I have to kill him. Or they may say, God is existing, he's not my enemy, but he's there to serve me. Another form of a Sura mentality. So, somewhere or another, there is always some connection, but for, for us to speak about Rasa, the term Rasa, doesn't include the Asura mentality. Rasa is the highest attain of divine love. The other day we spoke briefly about Rasa and the different ingredients of Rasa. Rasa is one spiritual emotion that includes five types of spiritual emotions. 
try to imagine, it's very spiritual and very emotional. I'm very favorable to Krishna's pleasure. That's a very important word. Favorable. Anukul in Sanskrit. No? One of, of the one of the features uh, of the attributes of our bhakti should be anukul. Anukul means I will perform my service with the intention to please Krishna, Guru, Vaishnavas. Maybe what I'm doing is pleasing to them, but I should have the intention to please them. That's a separate thing. You follow? For example, we may know that, I don't know, can you turn the light on? <coughs> Give me some extra minutes today, Prem, please. Only three days and I'm leaving, no problem. <laughs> For example, we may, we, we may know, oh, Krishna likes, I don't know, Rasagula. Sweet. So we are preparing Rasagula. So we are doing something that Krishna likes. But we should also have the intention of pleasing Krishna. To follow. One thing is to do something that pleases Krishna. Another thing is to have the intention of pleasing Krishna. Famous example, uh, I don't know, Kamsa. <laughs> Kamsa was an asura. He was 24 hours a day thinking about Krishna. Wow. More than us. Any of, any of us together, Kamsa was thinking even more. 24 hours, absorbed. So we may say, oh, the scriptures say that it's very favorable to think about Krishna. <laughs> but, he's not considering some of these rasas, main rasas, because his attitude was not favorable. His attitude was, he was fearful about Krishna, he may kill me at any moment, and I had to see how to kill him. So, since there is no favorable attitude, there is no rasa. And even when there is a favorable attitude, <laughs> extreme favorable attitude, even if externally you are doing something that may not, please, may not seem to please Krishna, that will be considered some form of prasa. For example, just show that again. After the Damodar Lila, or during the Damodar Lila, when Krishna starts to run from her, and she starts to run after him with a sticking hand. Of course, she will never beat Krishna, but just to frighten him. So we will say, oh, but in the scripture it doesn't say that you should take a stick and try to frighten Krishna. <laughs> That's not favorable. But actually, he, her maternal love was so intense that that expression of maternal love, even though it seems unfavorable to Bhakti, <laughs> it was considered some form of rasa, Vatsalya rasa. Mm -hmm. So that's the point, no? Asuras do not experience 
these rasas, Santa Dasa, Sakya, Vatsali, Madhurya. For experiencing rasa, as I said before, Santa is the foundation of rasa. And the foundation of rasa, Santa means to be free from all selfish desires. And to be a demon means exactly the opposite. <laughs> to be full of selfish desire. No, no, él no creó nada. No. no. Bueno, Vishnu. I will explain. Okay, pero Vishnu viene de Krishna, o sea, digamos, es como que yo me refería al, al revés, mm -hmm. no lo que ellos expresan, porque evidentemente eso no es el amor, ¿no? sino la necesidad o, o la curiosidad o el, o el querer que Krishna también experimentar lo demás, no solamente lo, lo sublime, sino también lo, lo, lo que no es el, el otro lado de la moneda. So she says that actually her question was mainly connected to not not so much the asuras toward Krishna, what they do express, but what Krishna expressed towards the asuras. So I will answer briefly. Actually, Krishna is not interested in, in, in... I mean, we have to understand what does it mean to be Krishna. <laughs> Krishna has never been in touch with his material energy. The scriptures this describe. Maya Shakti is at a distance from God. He's never even close to her. So he never experiences to be, what does it mean to be an illusion? He's experiencing another illusion. Yoga Maya. <laughs> Divine illusion. And we have to understand Krishna is so much absorbed <laughs> in tasting love from his devotees that he has no time to and, and, and that tasting is ever increasing and it's reaching higher and higher dimensions so he's so much like dedicated to serve and taste that he has no mind to think about I want to taste something else. For that, there are some expansions. We may speak about Mahavishnu, for example. Mahavishnu is one expansion from an expansion from an expansion and so on from Krishna. And through here, he experiences some... But he, the only thing he experiences in relation to this world <laughs> is compassion. <laughs> no. he's not thinking oh I would like to be Maya and taste what does it no 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 he's only experiencing compassion towards the fallen soul here so through Mahavishnu all the different avatars are coming to the world all this compassion agency is in Mahavishnu so through his compassion he sends that but we have we have to understand that when we speak about Asuras and Krishna, the experience is, we are speaking about two, 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 two parts, Krishna and the other part. 
But we always have to understand this is reciprocal. No? So if Anasura has a particular approach to Krishna even, naturally there will be a particular approach from here. He reciprocates. Every relationship is reciprocal. Again, there may be some exception to the rule. Yes? Yeah, uh, I don't catch it. Okay. <laughs> so we have to understand that the relationship between everyone is reciprocal. You follow reciprocal? Like I give you and you give me. There is two sides. It's not that I only give you and you don't give. It's both sides are participating. So we do not find at any point in the scriptures that Krishna feels attracted to Maya Shakti. Because actually, Maya Shakti is not attractive. <laughs> I mean, it's attractive for us, maybe. <laughs> in illusion. I mean, you have to be in illusion to feel attractive towards Maya Shakti. That's the whole idea of Maya Shakti. <laughs> but for someone like Krishna, who have never been in illusion, he feels no attraction to that, to that direction. And he cannot be in illusion, because if God is in illusion, he's no longer infallible, perfect, transcendental. But he is under some type of illusion, I would say, higher illusion. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> Yoga Maya. If there is a point, no, 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 no. Actually, once I spoke about that, <laughs> once I spoke about that. Actually, free will, free will means you can choose under which type of illusion you want to be. <laughs> no? Mahamaya, the illusion of this world. Or yoga maya, delusion of the highest world. At least in our in our tradition, in our goal, these are the two options. <laughs> so from one illusion to the other, actually, yoga maya or the divine illusion represents the highest reality. No, we have to understand that also. No, it's an, an illusion in one sense, but in one sense, it's facilitating the highest degree of love. No, where Jasoda looks at Krishna and she doesn't see God, she's Krishna, <laughs> and vice versa, and so on. Goshek. Does not one uh, come by very hard life and hardships of life to one point of um, resolution where one can decide um, only on a very basic um, level, so one does not have illusions at all, one only takes the things as they are, one does not uh, dream of anything because there is nothing you can dream for, you have not the power and not the situation maybe well, but actually, we don't have the power, but Krishna has the power, Bhakti has the power to take us in the dreamland uh, to to re actually, as you say, to see things as, as they are, we may say to be purely objective, no? without any tinge, any glimpse of subjectivity or something, to just... But actually the point is that reality is subjective. It's not only objective. There is objectivity, but there is subjectivity as well. Again, just so that is looking at Krishna, and she 
feels he's my darling. <laughs> That's a very subjective feeling she has. A friend of Krishna, Madhu Mangal Subhaj, he will feel uh, something different. He'll feel, he's my pal. Pal, you see, like my friend, my equal. Very subjective feeling. <laughs> but a spiritual subjectivity. No? We have, we in the material platform experience material subjectivity due to the influence of illusion. So we may say that if a, 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 between, a point in between may be Brahman, let's say. To go to Brahman, that is not our goal. <laughs> and there is no influence of the gunas of Maya Shakti. And there is also practically no influence of the Swarup Shakti, the highest illusion. <laughs> so you are there like Brahman. You are. <laughs> but also there you are thinking, I have become Brahman. And there is also some subjective opinion. Because scriptures say you cannot fully become Brahman. Your individuality is still there at some point. So we cannot really get fully free from subjectivity because that's in our own inherent nature. So there's no problem with with being a subject, an individual. The only problem is when that individuality is not centered in Krishna. So actually to see things as they are, it doesn't mean that that it doesn't mean the same for everyone. Jasoda sees things as they are. She looks at Krishna <laughs> and looks her in a particular way, and that thinks as they are. Radharani will look from a different perspective, and that thinks as they are. Because all of them are looking at the Absolute. So Absolute means unlimited perspectives, unlimited approaches. And all of them are valid. There, there's no only one way to conceive the rea- reality. So, something like that. Okay. What? Who has a question? Prem Kishore has a question? Okay. We, Prem, we can do one more question, no problem? Okay. Last question. That's the question. Okay, that's an easier one. <laughs> I don't think it will take me long because I don't like to speak of myself. So. I mean, the, the meaning of the name, the word Padmanava or the whole name? Because the whole is even longer than what you mentioned. <laughs> My name is Bhakti Vedanta Padmanava. Swami or Maharaj. <laughs> so that, may, that, that may take longer. <laughs> That's what I'm going to explain now. Yeah. So I will be brief. So, <laughs> well, Bhakti Vedanta is a title that sannyasis receive when they re- accept this order. There are different titles. You have Bhakti Rakshak, Swami Maharaj here. <laughs> Myself, Bhakti Vedanta, and many other titles. Bhakti Hridai, Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Pramod, Bhakti Rakak, Bhakti Vedanta, Bhakti Bhimal, always Bhakti, and some other attributes, ornamenting. And after the, the title, let's say, comes the name, which also differs in each case. In my case, it's Padmanav. 
which is one of the main 108 names that generally sannyasis are given. And all of these are names of Vishnu, of God. So Padmanabha means... Padma means lotus, and Nava means navel. You understand navel? Navel, yeah, here. So Padmanabha means... They mean different things, <laughs> but generally speaking, it means lotus navel. No, because every part of Vishnu's body is compared to lotus. He has lotus feet, lotus hands, lotus face, lotus everything. <laughs> Very soft uh, limbs. But also it may mean that person uh, from which navel a lotus appeared. Because it's the name of Vishnu. So from Vishnu, you know, this lotus flower came where Brahma was born and so on. So basically this can be the two meanings. Mainly the last one is the main meaning of the name. And last word is Swami or Maharaj. It's another title also that everyone receives in the Orton. Swami means like Master uh, or sometimes God Swami it's the same meaning master of his senses and Maharaj means great king which implies the same great king is someone who has conquered the mind and senses or who is in the process of doing that <laughs> I'm in the process only <laughs> Yesterday I, I just quoted one. No, yesterday no. Two days ago I, I put some nice quote that Swami Maharaj shared the other day here. So from Srila Bhakti Vigyan Bharati Maharaj, a great acharya, and someone wrote some commentary there <laughs> and said, Maharaj, in one recent class. This Acharya, he mentioned him, said that when we speak about higher devotees, we should always use the term Goswami. Because if not, we are committing apparat, offense. And he was a little bit like tough. No? <laughs> and I tried to say to him, uh, actually, I, I put the word Maharaj. If you understand the meaning of Maharaj and Goswami, they are synonymous. It's the same meaning. So, do not be externally attached. Not like, this word has to be there. <laughs> because if not, there will be offense. <laughs> because you may have the word there, but if your attitude is not the proper, there may be offense also. <laughs> So, well, some other recent situation regarding these names. <laughs> but that will be the, the general meaning of my sannyas name. Clear? Okay. So, we will finish here. Uh, thank you very much for your time.
श्रीला गुरुदेव पति तपवान की जाए श्री गौरंग महाप्रभु की जाए हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाए जिसे गंधार्विका गिरी गोविंद सुंदरम की जाए गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए गौर प्रेमानंद हरी